Hello and welcome back to Brain Fart. It's been a while, as usual. There's always like so much time between the episodes, and I hate that. But uh, we're going to start doing this again. It's gonna be fun, and I'm gonna try to do some topics. There's a lot I want to talk about. Uh, but at the same time, I want to uh. I want to do research. I want to like put well, like put together well prepared episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so today, I actually, um, like a couple days ago, I um saw the Ford F one fifty, uh, Lightning. It's a new electric pickup truck from Ford, and absolutely gorgeous beautiful machine saw it on unbox therapy on youtube and um it kind of got me thinking about uh the future and what cars are gonna look like i'm a i'm a self-proclaimed car nerd i love to watch car builds i like to follow different uh youtube channels that, that kind of deal with cars um if you're looking for some car content, uh, you can check out Donut Media is a good place to start. Uh, Adam LZ. Uh, there's there's a bunch more. You can do BS for Build. There, there's a lot of different uh, channels I watch. And um, yeah, no, I love the car industry and, and I love cars in general. So uh, that's, you know, hopefully where I want to end up working one day. So yeah, no. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, no, so I was thinking about cars and where the industry is headed. And part of um, my interest in cars is in the long, rich history of the car industry. And the, the you know, the drama, the scandals, the successes, the, the feats of engineering. Um, it's, it's really a rich history. With a, with a lot of pros and a lot of bad things and a lot of interesting kind of, you know, uh, geopolitical tie-ins. But regardless, the, the thing I want to talk about today is um, we've been hearing a lot about electric cars. And we're seeing electric charging stations pop up everywhere. We're seeing the adoption. I see Teslas everywhere now. We're starting to see electric cars become more commonplace with uh you know within i've seen them I've seen them around town but i still see a lot of different gas vehicles or hybrids or whatever um so i kind of wanted to talk about some of the alternatives or the ones that exist out there and what, like how they work or like where they come from and and all of that so i'm just going to do like a little bit deep dive into fueling you know into the the idea of um, what different types of fuel alternatives exist and um, how they play into the larger argument. Like why why was electric uh, adopted over hydrogen fuel cells or whatever? And we'll go into everything regarding that as well. So I'm going to start by saying I think hybrids had their reputation ruined uh, because of Prius. I, as one of the first hybrids one of those first like kind of you know the names in that in that you know 
uh, electric assisted uh, gas powered vehicles or gas powered uh, uh, or gas assisted electric powered vehicles. So regardless, I think hybrids have gotten a bad name from the Prius. I think the car itself and the technology has come a long way, but the looks, the design was something that I just think that it, it's just not good. Never liked the look of it. Every time I see them, it, it, like even the more modern ones where they kind of have some of those like modern day shapes in them with like the lines and the, you know, the sharper edges and, the, and the, it still doesn't look good. I still think it's a, it's a hideous car. Um, and yeah, no, that's, that's a lot of car guys. They think that it's, it's not even a bad car. The technology is something I admire. It's just not great. And also on the, on the thought of hybrids is that, you know, we are looking to remove our dependency. So should we be taking half steps, right? I think that's the argument that comes in with hybrids is like, should we be taking half steps? And I think that honestly, it's not the worst thing because hybrids can be a good stepping stone to a different fuel or, um, you know, there's so much infrastructure that's built up over the years for, for gasoline power, you know, gasoline, uh, gasoline fueling stations and, uh, you know, even diesel to disrupt that in a way that still allows those to be useful and are instead more efficient and you're driving the technology that way. Hybrids aren't the worst thing. They don't outright solve the issues that we're dealing with. However, uh, they, they do offer kind of a stepping stone. Um, now, as for if that stepping stone is too, um, <laughs> too little too late or something that isn't, um, isn't going to really help because we'll run out of fuel or, uh, or, you know, gasoline will just become unusable as a, as a, you know, as a substance that we have in terms of like commercial viability that those are things that hybrids are not going to solve. Hybrids going to reduce the impact, but not mitigate it completely. So, um, now that we've kind of talked about hybrids and talk about the, the second, I'd say one of the more popular, I, I, I don't know if you, if you're into cars, you definitely have heard about the Toyota Mirai, which is a hydrogen fuel cell powered um, Toyota car. And they just brought one out that looks very, very nice. It is a beautiful car. And um, if you go to the Drive Tribe YouTube channel, uh, James May from Top Gear and uh, the Grand Tour has done, uh, he bought one. So there's a, there's a nice unboxing video of that one. Uh, so if you wanna go check that out. But regardless, um, what are hydrogen fuel cells? Um, it's a uh, method of um, generating energy. Uh, hydrogen and oxygen, when they mix together, they form um, uh, dihydrogen monoxide, which um, is commonly known as water. And that is a, uh, uh, that is a process that gives off energy. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that, so the hydrogen fuel cells are essentially just building on that, um, 
building on, on that technology and um, combining hydrogen and oxygen uh, to create uh, energy. Now, some of the benefits of uh, uh, hydrogen fuel cells is they are solid state, so they don't have moving parts. Uh, you know, an engine has multiple moving parts. That's why we have a lot of maintenance with them. Uh, hydrogen fuel cells, in theory, would not need as much maintenance because we can design the parts to be solid and unmoving. Yes, there are still like moving parts, but there's no mechanical moving parts. This can be a solid state system, which is really good. Like in terms of servicing and in terms of life, like, you know, making products that last long times. And I think one of the big problems we have in the world is... Um, uh, Cars, uh, you know, there's the planned obsolescence arguments for a lot of cars. And uh, so a lot of parts will fail. And then one part in your engine fails. And then the whole engine is gone versus these fuel cells, which are solid state. There's less moving parts. There's less likelihood that things are going to fail, you know, um, versus the engine where things are moving at like 7,000, 6,000 RPM at points and, you know, they're moving at high velocities that you're introducing variables. So hydrogen fuel cells, really good. So, uh, so there are <laughs> a couple issues. Um, hydrogen uh, is an extremely explosive gas. Um, you, you probably know this from the Hindenburg, which was a uh, airship or like an air balloon that, an airship that was filled with hydrogen uh, because it um, floats, right? Because hydrogen is a very light substance. It's number one on the periodic table. Um, so it is it essentially just one proton and one electron. And it because of that, it um, it just floats very well. And it's very it's very good explosive. Uh, and the Hindenburg um, blew up uh, because of static uh, buildup. Uh, so if you want to learn more about the Hindenburg, we'll do an episode on that. But the Hindenburg blew up because it used hydrogen. So hydrogen as a substance to be then used and transported on board with you. Probably not the greatest idea because uh, hydrogen is, you know, explosive. Uh, the other thing is, is, as I said, and I mentioned the particles that, that uh, hydrogen is just essentially a uh, proton and an electron, because that is really significant. Um, hydrogen is extremely small as a particle. Uh, it's essentially, you know, especially if it's ionized, uh, it's just a proton um, because electrons are very small. Um, but, but if you think about hydrogen as like in the, from the particle sense it is small and can therefore be difficult to store uh because it whatever storage um material you have um it can sometimes leak uh the, this is hydrogen's a difficult substance to work with um you know and and that is a that is not fun uh so, so we kind of talked about the, the issues on the car, but what about getting hydrogen? How abundant is hydrogen? Uh, hydrogen? Oh, also another benefit, the car 
it um produces electricity and water you could drink the water that comes out of the exhaust of uh, a hydrogen fuel cell car is it's water it's uh, it combines hydrogen uh, uh, and oxygen from the air and creates water which is drinkable like it's it's not anything special there's no chemicals it's water so the process is it produces a lot of you know like people like water we don't mind water um, uh, so hydrogen like the, the process does not produce harmful uh, you know substances that we can't use or f for the process whatever uh, like uh, current gasoline engines which produce a lot of uh, car carbon dioxide and, and other um, other greenhouse gases which uh, erode the ozone later uh, you know contributing to, to climate change however um, hydrogen hydrogen as a substance right so we've talked about everything on the car let's get back to like the actual substance hydrogen and how you have to prepare uh this for uh to be available to like put in a gas station right so you can load up with hydrogen um this is where it gets so hydrogen is abundant um you can one of the most common sources of hydrogen is um the water right can separate water however the the process of separating water requires electrolysis which means you run a current with a cathode and anode you run a current uh, through hydrogen through water and it um, separates uh, into like a two two things you'll get a hydrogen one side uh, and oxygen on the other side and it just requires an extreme amount of electricity uh, and it's a very energy intensive process so to create hydrogen right we have a lot of water but we don't have hydrogen in the usable for, uh, form because it's extremely reactive and that's why it's uh, well but it, it's extremely reactive and can um, typically it's hard to find just hydrogen by itself um, I think you know some of the places you'd find hydrogen by itself in the universe is just the sun, um, but most of it is burnt up and uh, ends up getting becoming heavier. Um, but on Earth, very difficult to find hydrogen in its by itself, um, and one of the easiest ways to do it is through electrolysis, which we uh, know is a very electricity-intensive process. Um, so. When you think about the overall efficiency of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, it's very low because uh, oftentimes you have to separate the water and uh, the water and oxygen and then put it back together in the car to generate the energy. Uh, and there are losses along that because electrolysis is not a, a very good uh, energy efficient process. So, um, talked about electrolysis we've talked about hydrogen fuel cells and and there's a lot happening in that field uh specifically in the area of california uh, i'm not sure about in canada where where you would have hydrogen fuel uh fuel um filling stations but there are some um like and by some i mean like there might be five or six uh different hydrogen fuel cell uh filling stations in um in California.
or in the states in general like it's all it's all along the west coast and it's um uh not a widely accessible and widely available uh fuel source so again not probably the best thing to put all your your eggs in you, you know don't put all your eggs into that basket um because there's a lot of challenges that hydrogen fuel cells have to overcome um to become viable as a you know to replace to replace uh gasoline um so some of the other ones now so i've talked about the one that it, you know was the most promising creates uh water as a byproduct not harmful to the environment is is you know like it's uh it's a pretty good thing here the rest do give off um carbon dioxide or or methane or some greenhouse gases and i'm going to talk about why they are still better than um gasoline because okay? you know there might be a specific element of their production or or specific other things that make the uh fuel more um more efficient than gasoline uh but just briefly before we get into that i just want to say so gasoline is um created by you know an incredible amount of pressure um that uh, over the decay of of you know organic matter over thousands of years it's it's incredible pressures under the earth and that essentially uh creates uh crude oil which um is harvested from from within the earth and then processed into gasoline and other you know other other products and diesel and all that so um it takes a long time for it takes a long time and a lot of pressure for these uh for for crude oil to to become crude oil right there's uh, organic matter it might be fishes or you know dead dead animals or whatever that over time and and a lot of pressure um become crude oil so let's talk about a biodiesel okay so now we're getting to the alternatives i just wanted to quickly mention that as well. this is how gasoline is made uh and why gasoline is not renewable um let's talk about biodiesel so biodiesel is actually a byproduct of you know the processing of vegetable oils uh animal fats um recycled uh restaurant grease um they are all um producers of um biodiesel and an interesting thing is that the co2 emitted by biodiesel when it's burnt is offset by the co2 that is absorbed uh by the plants um you know for if you're talking about vegetable oils here the, uh, absorbed by the plants during production and then also if you think about recycled restaurant grease and all these things these are like another form of um this is using a product that would normally be thrown out um to create fuel and so biodiesel ha like it took off for a little bit it, it requires very little modification to to vehicles to run um you know if you can run diesel like if you can run diesel fuel in your car uh, you can most definitely run biodiesel. Um, 
yeah no it's it's a it's a great alternative and it uses uh, a combination of um byproducts that um are significantly better for um the environment as well as it being uh because it's a byproduct it um it is re renewable in a sense because you can grow more vegetables or you know the rest the restaurant whenever whenever they prepare food as long as they're preparing food and they have that uh, recycled grease you know they like that grease that they throw out this is um this is a source right for uh biodiesel so it 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 no longer requires that like you know millions and millions of years under immense pressures to to create this uh fuel it is it is you know cause it 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 would be another step in the chain so uh, be a, you know potential revenue for the uh the restaurants to make sure that they you know provide their recycled grease to the biodiesel uh, collection who would collect it and process it make it into fuel and then deliver it to um to gas stations to fuel up uh vehicles uh there's been a lot of work in in this field it's just one of those things where it's uh it, it hasn't taken off as as much as um you would have liked and uh there you know but there are still a lot of products um that are not using full biodiesel but using um uh combinations of biodiesel and regular diesel and um you can you can actually if you own a diesel car you can check the vehicle door card uh just open the door and look in the or look in um the door jam and you will see if your uh car can you know take it, usually it goes from like B2 to B100 which uh, says how much um, percent uh, mix uh, of uh, biodiesel your um, your engine can take. Uh, so let's say if it's a B B two, it means it's two percent biodiesel, um, with uh, the the rest being regular diesel, um, which is really cool. Um, so. The next fuel type I'm going to talk about is actually one that is used quite quite often, um, and it's ethanol. So ethanol is a alcohol-based fuel, uh, and it's made from corn, barley, and wheat. Um, if you're if you're a car person, you probably recognize E85 uh, or E90. Uh, which are race fuels, you know, used in race cars, used in, um, you know, high-performance vehicles. And essentially what E85 stands for, it's an ethanol content of 85% mixed with 15, so 85 parts of ethanol mixed with 15 parts of regular gasoline. And that's what E85 stands for. Um, and so the good thing about ethanol-based fuels is oftentimes the you know similar to the biodiesel the amount of carbon dioxide that's emitted by burning those fuels uh is it's it's offset by the co2 that is um absorbed by the plants during production right um so it, it kind of evens out it's a net zero uh gain or loss in, in the amount of co2 however the big drawback for ethanol 
and I've heard this a lot, is that it is a resource intensive process, right? You need corn, barley, and wheat to, um, to make the fuel. However, uh, you know, people make the argument, maybe we shouldn't be using corn, barley, and wheat to, you know, as to make fuel, we should be eating that because, you know, we already have, uh, the, you know, global food crisis, right? And uh, people, there are people that, you know, don't get to eat. So maybe instead of making fuel from food, um, and straining and increasing the price of the of of those foods uh maybe we should you know dedicate those um food resources uh to you know actual like feeding people and creating products for uh people to consume as food um however um ethanol another great alternative if we came up with a way to farm and you know if we had a a excess amount of food and everybody you know got food i would say that um we should use that to create ethanol it's a great fuel source uh it's used in race cars um so you know it's good shit just try it <laughs> um next next i'm going to talk about um natural gas and uh, the first time I heard of natural gas um, was in in Pakistan. Uh, so in in Pakistan, they have um, they have these conversions. Um, gasoline is is you know scarce resource there. There's often shortages and a lot of different issues there. Um, and so a lot of cars will get converted to take. Uh, what they call CNG, or what, what everyone calls CNG, uh, which stands for um, compressed natural gas, um, and essentially, it's just uh, it's a less processed uh, gasoline, uh, and uh, it uh, is compressed to about one percent of its volume at atmosphere. Um, and uh it's used primarily in cars and and i remember when i was researching for this episode i remember hearing cng and just being like yes i know what that is because i have you know been to pakistan and seen um the big tanks that people will usually put in in the back of their car uh in the trunks and uh drive around because cng is is, uh, is oftentimes cheaper than um gasoline or um more more available so cng pretty uh uh pretty cool and there's a different type of so there's another type of natural gas um which is liquefied uh natural gas or lng and um these ones i'd never heard of before um but after looking into it they're usually used in buses and trains um and basically, they, they are useful in, in medium to heavy duty machines that travel long distances. Um, and that's uh, so instead of being compressed, uh, they're liquefied uh, natural gas and they go in tanks. Yeah, so, so a, couple, a couple of drawbacks about natural gas, um, unlike ethanol and biodiesel, 
uh, it's not uh, made from renewable substances. It's still, um, yeah, still, you know, comes from, uh, you know, uh, oil, and uh, it it is, um, you know, still a fossil fuel. Still produces those greenhouse gases, so it doesn't address any of the problems that we need it to address. Uh, and often, actually, times releases methane emissions, which is you know 21 times more um, harmful to the ozone than carbon dioxide. So you could argue, make an argument that it's it's not it's not the right direction. Um, it's it's worse for the environment and. Um, is I think the only reason it's really used is because um, of its benefits in heavy-duty machinery for for LNG and then CNG because of availability shortages in countries like Pakistan where they you know aren't able to have a steady uh, supply of gasoline and so the last one I'm gonna bring up is propane the last fuel type I'm going to talk about is propane, and uh, in a lot of places in the world, this is uh, this is a similar issue to to natural gas. Uh, it's still it's still a fossil fuel. Uh, it, it's still not renewable, and and um, it still produces those methane emissions. However, it does have uh, some benefits. Uh, and is it comes in uh, liquefied uh, and is called LPG or liquefied petroleum gas. So when when you look at the list, you'll notice that um, I kind of went through the hydrogen fuel cell, which is like this amazing option, yet has significant viability issues to being something that we widely accept. You, I, I talked about biodiesel and ethanol, which are, you know, more, more along the lines of things that are more practical. And, uh, you know, they're the, the CO2 um, emissions that, are, that we, we, we would be emitting would be absorbed by the plants. And that's a net zero or almost net zero process. And then I talked about some that are, you know, Alternatives that are out there and, and are in use, but um, maybe aren't the best uh, <laughs> the best options. And I I hope I gave you uh, you know some insight, and hopefully um, as we move into the future, there'll be more options to talk about in terms of alternative fuels, in terms of powering um, transportation. Um, I think that one of the the greatest things in the world is uh, having having vehicles, having a way to um, to connect each other, to you know, to be able to travel, to be able to um, not you know be confined to a small bubble um, of places you can walk to, uh, and having cars and and having the tool of a vehicle is incredibly powerful to society and. Uh, I'm excited to see where an industry that I love so much and, and know a lot about the history of um, will continue to evolve and change um, and adapt to new technologies. Because, you know, the car industry has been synonymous with uh, adapting to technology. You look at cars now or, or, you know, cars now versus cars before 
were cars before were, were mechanical machines that were incredibly complex mechanically. Now you're looking at incredibly complex computers that have systems built in to drive for you, that have systems built in to um, make sure you're in your lane and, and comfort features like massaging chairs. And there's, there's so much um, in the car industry uh, that also trickles down to other industries. So, so I think, um, I think we should all pay attention uh, to the, you know, the advancements that are happening and some of the, you know, we're, I think that I've grown up uh, hearing about climate change and hearing about a lot of presentations when I was in elementary school. Um, and I've seen little to no change. Actually, that that's not fair. I have seen change. We are seeing electric cars and we are seeing innovation innovation kind of coming in this area however you know i i always thought that it was going to be you, know, you wake up one day and there's suddenly cars that are <laughs> just like you know powered by nuclear reactors and it's gonna be awesome right like the, that was me dreaming as a kid i realized the real world works very slow um so yeah no hopefully we do get nuclear powered cars and and uh you know, we, we do hear about those things. Uh, but in the meantime, hopefully I stimulated your brain, thinking about some fuel alternatives. Um, I tried to kind of give a well-rounded uh, perspective. If you, if you have any other fuels that you've heard are used in, in trains, uh, buses, boats, whatever, uh, feel free to let me know. Yeah, and we'll, you know, you can come hang out on Twitter, at PodBrainFart. Um and yeah, no, hopefully I get back into these episodes. I want to research well, um, just so I have a lot of information to present and things are good. Yeah, no. Okay. This has been Brain Fart episode, I don't know, with your host, 22-year-old Tariq out, out here in, in Ottawa, Ontario. Thank you.